This is a CBC Podcast. Hey, I'm Claire Bonnyman. And I'm Min Dariwal. And welcome to The Loop. And a warning, today we touch on adult themes in the show. How often do you use the trains? I use transit, I will say, pretty pretty much uh, every day when I, go, when I go to work. Today is my day off. How comfortable are, are, are you using the train? I have to say, unfortunately, 50-50. During the day, I feel a little bit sometimes more safer because there's public around, but during the evening, uh, not. And there's certain areas where I take the train as well where I don't feel safe. In this area, I will definitely. But if, for example, let's say if I'm in Churchill or Belvedere or anywhere like a past that, no. But because when I was 18, unfortunately, uh, are you going to censor this? It's not a bad word, but it, it's in TV. Uh, I was on my way to school, and I was just listening music to my iPod. Back then, having an iPod was a thing. And guess what happened? Uh, everyone was shouting, and they're like, oh, like... And someone actually masturbating ejaculate on my pants. And I miss my school day. I have to go and talk to the police and all, and all this. And that was the first time that I actually didn't face self-use in transit. I come from the Grandin Station, and I, we do have a lot of issues with the homeless wanting to sleep in the station. And so you don't want to be there at night or when it's weather's bad because uh, somebody like me who's got a buggy and who doesn't walk well and is older is very definitely a target. I'm not so comfortable uh, later on in the day now and if I happen to be out someplace and it's getting miserable or it's getting dark, I take a cab. Tell me how often you use the, the transit. Well, I'm a student at the university, so I use the transit every day, uh, two times a day, once to go to school and once to go back home. And how comfortable are, are you using the trains? Um, I'm pretty comfortable with using the trains. I've been taking transit since like high school, so I'm very familiar with the system. I'm not too familiar with the violent attacks, but I have heard a case of like the an Asian student getting attacked. Um, but in terms of myself, I feel like I'm still pretty comfortable. I don't take transit um, alone often, so I'm pretty comfortable still. Like how often do you use the, the trains? We use it really rarely. My daughter goes to pre-K at U of A, so we're just on it for fun. She's four and thinks it's fun. How comfortable are, are you taking the train? I'm really comfortable taking the train. Did not hear those news stories, but um, we, we get on at Stadium, which I feel like is maybe a rougher area, but no, I feel super comfortable. And my four-year-old's with me, like, I don't know. I feel really safe. Is there anything that you do for safety at all, or? I lock my car in the parking lot, but I don't know, no, now I'm like, should I be? But <laughs> we put, we wore our masks. Ruthie, do you feel safe taking the train? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Those were Edmontonians who ride transit speaking with CBC's Liam Harrop. And there's a wide range of experiences there, but if you take transit too, there's a good chance safety has crossed your mind i know Mm -hmm. for me it definitely has sure um sometimes you just see stuff right like i remember i was taking the bus home from work one day and there was a guy perfectly quiet sleeping in the back but he had his hand up and he was holding the pull 
to stop the, yeah, the, the pull string. string. Yeah. And so it had been pulled down. And so the bus driver was confused why every time he pulled up to a stop, no it was stop requested off. and no one was getting off. Weird. And so he had to walk past me to the back to like knock this guy's hands off the string. Yeah. And it was a bit of a tense moment because you didn't know, would it wake the guy up? Would he be okay? Is the guy okay? Yeah. Like it's just uncomfortable. Yeah. I mean, I've been riding the bus since I was in junior high, right? And specifically in this city. Yeah. And so um, through all sorts of different stages of my life and from different parts of the city to downtown. Yeah. And, and like I was uh, saying earlier, you know, I've I've ridden the train from the south side to downtown for many, many years. And I really think you just have to be aware, like, and put yourself in situations where you know, if something does happen, you can kind of exit left or right and kind of get out of it, right? Yeah. I, I rarely ever sit in the train in the in the bug in like in the seats that face each other. I always oh. sit on the seats that are kind of, I mean, they're safe front for, to back kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, front to back, and um, and so yeah. I mean, uh, there's yeah. been tons of times where someone comes on and you're kind of okay. Well, uh, you know, I'm not gonna you know, keep looking at that person or anything like that. I, I don't want to antagonize anybody. And so, you, but, but you're aware your guard, yes. your guard is up, you know, your radar's on and uh, you're just kind of making sure you're ready in case something does happen. Yeah. And that awareness is just, it's, I mean, unfortunately it's just part of it, but it's part of that discomfort, right? Yeah. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. And, you know, feeling uncomfortable because of what you see here and experience on transit is one thing, but there are a growing number of incidents where it becomes violent. In 2021, a Muslim woman was attacked in South Edmonton at an LRT stop. A month ago, police responded to multiple violent ev- events at LRT stations involving assault, firearms, and stabbing. Last week, a series of violent assaults played out on Edmonton buses. And this included a 78-year-old woman who was pushed off the LRT platform across from the university hospital. And there's been a lot of attention because of this, about mm-hmm. violence on Edmonton's public transit, which leads to a whole bunch of questions, but mainly what's going on. Right. Um, CBC reporter Janice Johnson spoke to the 78-year-old victim in last week's attack and her family, and she joins us now on The Loop. Hi, Janice. Hi there, Claire. So uh, when and, and how did this happen? It happened a week ago Monday. It was April the 25th. Sharda Devi Naidu had just finished a shift as a porter at University Hospital. She crossed the street, it was about 8.20 at night, to catch the LRT and head home. The 78-year-old said that at first she was waiting in that glass-enclosed area Mm -hmm. at the station and that there was an older guy and a young guy along there with her. She said that the young guy began to swear at her, to verbally harass her. She'd never seen him before in her life, didn't know this guy at all. And she said that she told him, don't bug me, but he wouldn't leave her alone. I've definitely been there. Uh, Was there any sign of of security or support at the station? None, she said. So she decided to leave the shelter and went out onto the platform. She planned to use her phone to call the police. Now, I talked to Nadu from her hospital bed where she is still recovering. She's a little bit difficult to understand, but you can hear that she gets very emotional when she describes what happened to her. And then he punched on my face, and he pushed me down, and my leg was broken. I was screaming for help. I see train coming, and I thought, I'm done. So she was punched in the face, pushed onto the platform, broke her leg, and saw a, a train coming at her. My gosh. Terrifying, right? Yeah. Uh, wow. Uh, fortunately, the train was able to stop in time. 
but she said that it felt like she was stuck on those tracks forever waiting for help to arrive. She said there were a bunch of people that were up on the platform telling her, just wait, just wait, and she had no choice but to do that because her leg was broken. She physically could not move. So when paramedics and police finally arrived, they were rushing her across the street to University Hospital, and she had to undergo four hours of emergency surgery. The doctors were trying to repair her shattered leg. She told me that she's still in a great deal of pain. Uh, there's no guarantee that she'll ever be able to walk again, and at one point there was talk of possible amputation. Wow. Now, a GoFundMe was set up to help the family. Remember, she was still working as a porter at the hospital, even though she's 78 years old. And she told me that she'll likely never be able to return to work. I mean, after this, will she ever even ride transit again? Well, of course, I asked her that, and she yeah. doesn't think so. Uh, she said that before this incident, that she's been nervous before. She told me that uh, when she went to work in the morning, that a bunch of her co-workers would be on the same train with her, and they would all try and sit together, you know, kind of strengthen numbers. Yeah. Um, but what happened to her on the 25th? Well, it was really the final straw. Yeah, I don't blame her. Uh, what about her accused attacker? Well, the next day, transit security spotted him at the downtown Churchill station, where he was allegedly attacking a man with bear spray. That's according to court documents. The 20-year-old with a long criminal record was taken into custody and charged with aggravated assault for the attack on Nadeau, and he's also charged with assault with a weapon and possession of a prohibited weapon, and that's in connection with the Churchill station incident. Edmonton police told us this week about another incident that happened at an LRT station, and they say that it happened at the end of February at Southgate, when a South Asian man wearing a turban was standing on the platform, once again got approached by a stranger, and said that this stranger spit on him and made racial comments. The victim tried to follow his attacker as he called police and then was threatened with physical violence. Uh, police tell us that a 34-year-old man has been charged in that case with two counts of assault. I mean, I, I hate to turn this into a bit of a laundry list, too, but you also covered another more recent violent incident on transit as well. I mean, what happened last Sunday? It does seem to come in batches, really, yeah. doesn't it? Uh, well, I did have a conversation with a 56-year-old grandmother from Vancouver Island. Last Sunday, she arrived in Edmonton with her daughter to visit her sister. The three women decided to take public transit from the airport because, well, they figured it was going to be a lot cheaper than a taxi. Patty Garside says there they were, the three of them, talking and laughing on the bus, and then another woman sat close by and began trying to get them to notice her. Garside says that's when the trouble began. This uh, woman, she all of a sudden just lunged at my daughter um, and tore her glasses off her face and scratched her. And then uh, she grabbed my sister. And so I stepped in and got my uh, daughter's glasses back. And then the bus driver had pulled over and she was being told to get off the bus and she was not getting off the bus. And then uh, then she attacked uh, me, started to assault me, and I was able to get her off of the bus. Wow. I, what about bystanders? I mean, did anyone step in to help Patty? <laughs> no, they didn't. Uh, she saw the driver on the phone and assumed that he was calling for help, but all the other passengers did was 
pull out their phones. Garside says it felt like they were more interested in putting something on TikTok than coming to her rescue. Anyways, the bus carried on to the West End Lewis Farms Transit Centre. The three women got off the bus and they were waiting when, lo and behold, another bus pulls up and their attacker gets off that bus. Wow. Garside says four teenage girls stepped off the bus screaming that this woman had assaulted them. Once again, the woman set her sights on Garside and her family, and I can't even imagine this. She began chasing them around the parking lot. Oh. <laughs> um, Garside said that by that point, she had the police, a non-emergency uh, dispatch line on the phone, mm-hmm. and that she was screaming, we need help, we need help, come right now. Uh, Garside and her sister both sustained concussions in that second attack, Mm -hmm. and police did finally arrive. The 35-year-old woman was taken into custody. She faces six assault charges and three counts of breach of conditions. Now, Garside says that she's not angry with the woman, who she believes likely has mental health issues, but she does think that the system's broken and that something's got to be done to change it. I asked her if she was going to use transit to get back to the airport when it's time to go home. Can you guess what she says? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> uh, she's thinking about taking an Uber instead. Yeah, yeah that, that checks out. I, I mean, as you said, this, this stuff kind of seems to come in batches in a weird way. Are you seeing a change in the conversation around these incidents the more they seem to be happening in the city? It feels to me like a lot more people are talking about it. Mm-hmm. A lot more people are coming forward with experiences that they've had. Um, I put a plea out recently on Twitter asking people to DM me if they had had any kind of experiences. And I got a number of people that sent me private messages and photos to support them, showing things happening on, especially the LRT, that uh, definitely should not be happening. Uh, Recently, the head of Edmonton Transit had a news conference to address this safety issue, and certainly it is very top of mind with not only Edmonton Transit, but with the mayor and city council. I think everyone agrees that something's got to get done. Uh, The big question is what and how and when. Yeah, a huge conversation happening right now in Edmonton. Thank you so much for joining us, Janice. It's been my pleasure. These problems on transit are widespread and, you know, they've got a bunch of potential solutions. Right. Um, but it is really hard to tackle all at once. ETS says they are actively working to improve safety and security on transit in the city. And as part of that, they're adding more transit peace officers to the system. You know, EPS has more of a presence mm-hmm. now at stations. Here's ETS branch manager Carrie Houghton McDonald on CBC This Week. Uh, Last December, we had 72 transit peace officers across our system. Uh, We're bringing it up to 93. So we're accelerating, uh, you know, plans to add those additional uh, peace officers. So another another seven are going to hit the ground running uh, by the end of June. Um, We are adding opioid response teams to transit, so coordinating with our community health partners. That was an idea we were tossing around, and we've uh, accelerated plans to uh, bring them into transit to assist with. And I have to say, some of these issues that are happening are much, much bigger than transit. We have an opioid crisis happening in our city and in our province, really. Um, And all of us are struggling to help keep everybody safe uh, within those spaces and those that have very complex needs. 
One pilot program that the city is running right now is with Bent Arrow Traditional Healing Society. The community outreach transit team is an attempt to unite individuals with resources that they might need and improve transit for all Edmontonians. Cheryl Whiskeyjack is the executive director of the Bent Arrow Traditional Healing Society, and she joins us now on The Loop. Hi, Cheryl. Hi. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, Tell me about this community outreach transit team. How does it work? Um, Okay, so how it works is uh, we pair uh, a community, um, so we're the community organization, uh, a community um, connector with um, a transit police officer, and we are out there um, patrolling, sort of a hybrid right now because it's a small um, initiative, Um, but we are patrolling and being dispatched to um, areas in the city, in transit areas in the city where people are um, in need of some kind of supports. Um, so for certain, we, when we're patrolling, we're seeing people who, have, um, who are houseless. We're seeing people who are struggling with addictions. We're seeing people who are struggling with mental health and all kinds of other um, social issues. Um, and we're um, approaching them. They're approaching us now because we're start starting to gain a reputation in the community, um, in the transit centers. And so um, we'll talk to them about, you know, what, what we can do um, and sort of get the ball rolling. Um, really driven by the people that we're connected with. So we're not going out there telling them what they need. We're going out there and asking them how can we support them and then getting the ball rolling from there. Um, And then we're also dispatched. So there are areas in the city where other TPOs are already working, transit police officers, and uh, they're they're calling our our COT teams to say, you know, we've encountered an individual in this transit centre and these are the kind of supports we uh, think they could use. And so we'll we'll go to that transit centre and approach that individual that we've been dispatched to. Yeah. And and I mean, you talk about that reputation, building those connections. This launched uh, back in the fall. Uh, I mean, what's the reception been like so far? What are you hearing from folks? Uh, We're hearing really great things. Um, You know, one of the things I hear from our from our staff uh, in the partnership, our COT workers, is that uh, they they feel like they have the best job in the world um, because they're really uh, feeling like at the end of the day that they're really making a difference in the lives of the people that they're um, encountering in their in their daily work. They they and we worked really hard on the partnership from the get go, and so um, we made sure that our partners um, with the city, with the transit police officers, knew that. You can't just throw two people together and expect, you know, this kind of magic to happen. You have to be really intentional about it. Mm. And so one of the things we know, uh, we knew uh, going into it was that a large um, number of folks that we would be encountering would be um, ind- uh, Indigenous folks. And so um, we're an Indigenous organization here in the city. And so we were very intentional about providing uh, joint training to the staff we hired as well as to the TPOs that we're going to be connected to the uh, to the initiative. And so um, everything we trained our staff to do, we trained their staff, and we did it at the same time um, because we wanted them to come from the same place of uh, awareness when they get out there um, and start working with folks. The other thing that we're finding is that the um, it's, it's become sort of a... a a popular thing even amongst the TPOs. And so there is a real um, desire for people to be connected to this. So they pick mm-hmm. the initial two transit police officers that are connected to a, to a team. And 
Um, there is a, like a relief roster for the TPOs, and there's a lot of interest from the other TPOs to be connected to this work. Um, and it's building capacity within the transit police officers as well. So prior to this, they were um, largely about enforcement and um, with, because they didn't have that awareness of how to connect people to supports, but they're starting to build that capacity. Cheryl, I mean, for a lot of people, uh, coming back to transit uh, after being away for a couple of years is, is kind of new right now, right? Uh, so yep. they haven't been there for a while. I mean, I mean, from your experience, what's the environment like on our transit system right now? What, what are you and your team seeing as, as they ride the trains and the buses? They're seeing, you know, some of the things that you're seeing on the evening news. Like, you know, there is some real, um, some real um, concerning things that we're seeing in the in the transit centers um people like i said that are like they have nowhere to go um we encountered one person um and um this is i get the exceptional stories um but one of the exceptional stories i heard was uh was a, a houseless person that had fallen asleep in a transit center and when he woke up someone took his his boots Mm-hmm. So he had nothing on his feet. It was minus 30 outside. We got dispatched to come and connect with this individual. Um, and you can imagine, like, it's hard to be outside in minus 30. It's impossible to be out there when you don't have any shoes on your yeah. feet. Yeah. Um, so connecting him not just to some boots, but to some food and eventually a connection to his home community um, mm-hmm. was, was what we ended up doing for him in, in the process. And some of these people were um, connecting with them for over weeks. So wow. it's not like a one and done yeah. um, during that shift. It's for some people we're we're continually looping back and and moving the the ball further down the field for them. Um, but then around the safety pieces, we're we're certainly seeing those elements as well. Right. Um, and that's why the partnership has um, expanded. Um, with some additional resources from the city. And we've also looped in the Edmonton Police Service into the partnership. Mm-hmm. So uh, last fall, it was Bentero and the city of Edmonton. And now it's Bentero, the city of Edmonton, and the Edmonton Police Service. And so for those, there are certainly um, uh, situations we're encountering where we're not going to go in there and think yeah. we can have an impact on that on that scenario um, because the safety factor is just, um, it's it's too risky. Right. Um, so that's where the, the Edmonton Police Service come in. So um, the, the areas where there's true risk and lots of uh, safety concerns, um, the Edmonton Police Service is a part of the partnership now to address those, those elements. So, so you you touched on some of the support that uh, you know the transit police officers as well as your team kind of do. I, I'm guessing a lot of this work also is you know, building a rapport with folks because you probably run into some uh, repeat uh, people. How important is that? Um, it is important. Um, and also um, word travels. So even if we aren't encountering encountering people over in Oregon, which we certainly are, right. um, the people we are encountering are talking to their to their friends sure. that are out there um, and, and saying that these, these guys, if you run into them, this is what they did for me and this is how they can maybe help you. Um, so we, like, we are seeing people come towards us when we're, when we are on patrol. Um, so when we are walking through those transit centers, we're not walking through and looking for people to help. We're, we're being approached by people who know that we are there to, uh, support them in those kinds of ways. Yeah. 
Cheryl, there's been so many stories lately, as you've touched on, you know, the evening news, even I'm sure many of the ones that are coming across your desk about incidents and about things that are happening on transit. How does it sit with you when you hear some of these, honestly, sometimes really scary stories? Um, I mean, I'm concerned and and we definitely, it's a high priority for our teams when they're out there that they, uh, that they be safe when they're out there. Um, and so uh, one of the things, how it sits with me is uh, one of the things I think about when I see those stark images on the evening news and the way the story is being spun is um, the people we're serving out there yeah. are just as at risk for those those high-risk um, things that we're seeing. They're just as at risk and probably even more so um, than the average citizen um, because they don't have any place to go. So, you know, if you're a Susie citizen and you're going from your downtown job back home at the end of the day on the LRT, um, you have a place to go when you get there, right? And certainly we need to address those safety issues for our citizens. We absolutely do. And and there is um, attention being put on that and resources being, being put towards that. But for folks that we're serving in, in the COT initiative, um, they don't have a place to go. And so, so this is their experience like... Um, in a, in a much bigger way um, than the average transit user who's getting from point A to point B. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not trying to minimize it in any way, um, but there is really no escape for some of the folks that we're coming across. No, I well, I mean, it's really complicated, right? And even so often yeah. in some of these stories that we're hearing, the attacker is an individual who needs help, whether that is <laughs> mental health support or addiction recovery or housing. Yeah. I mean, how does that make you feel? Uh, you talked a bit about just seeing the stories and the way they play out and the way people react even. But how does that make you feel as someone who works so hard to help others in the city? Uh, it speaks to a bigger social um, social problem that we have. Um, that, um, you know, that there are people out there that are, um, can, you know, that are um, acting out in such a way, um, in such violent ways that they're so uh, deep in their addictions that they don't have any idea what they're doing, um, you know, when they're causing harm to other people, that they'll literally do anything to, to self-medicate. Um, so it's, to me, it speaks to this whole um, the, the, the fallout of the pandemic um, really being that um, the people who are marginalized got the least amount of support. And so we're seeing the, the, the fallout of that today, um, that they were allowed to go deeper into those dark places um, because there just was a lack of supports during that time uh, and a lack of access to supports, not just a lack of supports. Mm. Cheryl, I wanted to ask you about, um, you know, as individuals, I mean, I've ridden the train for many, many years from from uh, the south side to downtown for work. And um, mm-hmm. uh, what what advice would you have for individuals who, who are on the train? Like, what can what can people do to make the system safer or, you know, for them to kind of feel that they feel safe on, 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 on the train or the bus? Um. Well, um, I think being aware of what to do, um, you know, if things arise. Um, I also think there's safety in numbers, um, and and one of the one of the things, one of the reasons I think some of these issues are popping up is everybody went home, and so these transit centers became like um, safe havens for people who needed that shelter, yeah. um, but also uh, a haven for people who are 
up to some dark deeds, right? Because yeah. nobody was going to be around to shoo them out. And so I think with the resurgence of people going back into the workplace, I think you're just going to see those transit centers become, uh, you know, filled with people again. Yeah. Um, and I'm hoping that filling them with people will push those sort of darker, uh, you know, those people with ill intent mm-hmm. uh, back into other places. That's what I'm hoping. Yeah. Um, but, but certainly for safety, to be aware of what, what you need to do to keep yourself safe when you're on those things. Yeah. Um, if, if you see someone on that, on that train that, that, um, and there's nobody else on there, I wouldn't get on that train. <laughs> right. Um, you know what I mean? So yeah, that, street smarts so in a way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But, um, if you're with a group, um, just, to, just to be really aware of, um, of how, you know, where, how do how to get out of that situation? Yeah. Who, who, do, who do you call? Who else is on the train? All of those sorts of things, I think, are really, um, really important. And then, you know, I'm really hoping that the, the attention that's being put on this and the resources and the thought that's being put into this going forward are going to also have some impact. I mean, I, I think you brought up a good point. It, it, it feels like we're going through a transition here, right? Because, yeah, everybody pulled back and, and the yeah. centers and the, and the trains and the buses kind of became barren, right? Yeah. And so yeah. now it's kind of the other way. People are coming back. And I guess the people who have been there for two years now are kind of having to let go. And maybe that's kind of yeah. what we're seeing here, right? I mean, it certainly feels like that's the challenge the ETS and the city are kind of in the midst of right now. Yeah, yeah, it is definitely a transition, and um, and I, again, again, a highlight on on the work and resources we need to put into people who are um, who are needing those supports. Do you think the city has has a plan, like the right plan, or have, have you heard whether they've got a strategy here that they're on how they're going to handle it? Yes, um, we're definitely working on it every day, and like I said, in the in the partnership we have, we are. It is a constant uh, conversation that we're having. Um, you know, I just heard from my EA just before you guys called that uh, there's a, a transit um, a director that they're looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the partnership means that we are going to be a part of that recruitment strategy. So we're going to be a part of that panel that hires that director. That's great. So, so there's, there's real attention put on this um, at all different levels, ever evolving. So it, it changes every day. Um, you know, I, I, you know, I see the news too, and I'm going to my COT teams and saying, okay, what do I need to know? How are you guys doing? How are you guys feeling? Um, because, um, I, I want to make sure that they're feeling safe and, um, and feel like they're, they're still having an impact out there. And, um, and I'm still hearing that and they're still feeling like they have, um, the right sort of resources in place to be able to continue to go out there and be supportive to people that they're encountering. The Loop is a weekly podcast from CBC Edmonton. And our team this week is Min Darwal, Leza Goldstone, Corey Haberstock, Olivia O, oh, and James Evans. Our theme music is Change Your Mind by Edmonton musician John Common. And I'm Claire Bonnyman. Thank you so much for listening. And there's always so much more to know. So get into The Loop with us every Friday. You can leave us a rating, a review, wherever you download the show. Or if you want to get in touch, we have an email. The loop at cbc.ca, or you can go to Twitter. I'm at Mindarwal, and Claire, you're at Nami Knob. Use the hashtag The Loop CBC on social media, or you can reach out to us directly. And of course, follow the show on CBC Listen or your favorite podcasting app. For more CBC podcasts, go to cbc.ca/podcasts.